Happy football season. Training camp is underway, and we are coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, overlooking beautiful downtown Austin, Texas, and the University of Texas. Welcome to the show and the multicast and podcast that knows that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by Grande Equipment. This is the Eyes on Texas Multicast and Podcast. Uh, I am Aaron Hogan, morning show host at The Horn here in Austin, doing five hours every morning now with our buddy Rod Babers. He is uh, across the way from me, my shotgun partner, as always, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, the great Mike Craven. Uh, how are you, Mr. Craven? Doing pretty good. Uh, did a uh, radio spot today plus the Aggie podcast, so I'm as tired as you are. Tired as you are. <laughs> did, uh, it's like the same did thing. Did Jimbo Fisher really make a comment about... Uh, Money in college football being a problem? I mean, I think everybody, not to be the Jimbo Fisher uh, apologist here, I don't think he was saying it with any malice or that it was wrong, just that it's true. You know, I mean, we all chase the dollar. I mean, I've taken jobs for for more money before. Jimbo's taken jobs for more money before. Now conferences are taking jobs for more money. So it's just the way of the world. Way of the world. I don't think he was trying to be high horsey about it. But he has become, and we'll get into this a little bit later in our big picture college football conversation and the realignment, the the, the news that shook the world on Friday. But uh, Jimbo Fisher's become a bit of a pinata. Uh, And as you say, not to be the apologist, but sometimes when things seem to swing too far in one direction, got to defend a guy like like Jimbo every now and again. Yeah, and he he does it to himself. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right, he sets himself up for that. So I understand why, but yeah, I, I don't think he was trying to be like, "Oh, I'm above this and look at the problem with college football." I think it was a matter of fact, you know, like college football is big business, we're chasing the dollar now and this is the inevitable outcome of expanded college football playoffs and only caring about national titles. Yeah, if you're still worried about that, you're you're way in the past, you know what I mean? No. Uh, the old amateurism and old school college football. Uh, I mean, a lot of rivalries are dying at this point, but uh, the almighty dollar TV networks and, uh, uh, you know, that's where everybody is catching their college football. I think football. the good news is, is if you're a Texas fan, you're not getting left in the dust. No. Like, I went to UTSA, so I have real worries <laughs> about what football hey. looks like at UTSA. Is it just FCS? Like, what what is going to happen with that, like, next 60 I went to St. Edwards, team? so we don't have a football sure. team, so we're good. Yeah. We're good. But I, I, do, I, do, I do wonder about that. Like, But if you're a Texas fan, you're in that group that matters no matter what. And maybe matters more than any other in the Southeastern Conference. We'll get into that coming up. Uh, he is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. He is Mike Craven. And, of course, as he mentioned, the Aggie podcast he does as well. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine with their push to cover all 13 Division One programs in the great state. Uh, there are podcasts for pretty much all of them now. All of them. SMU one starting this week. So we are 13 for 13. 13 deep into August, which is great. And we are the... Uh, the multicast and the podcast for the University of Texas, which we're excited to be. It is the multicast. keeps you on top of all things Texas football. It is available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube page, as well as the uh, Horn in Austin, Horn FM YouTube channel. Find it there. It's available for download through iTunes and Spotify. We record on Monday nights each week. It is August the 7th as we record tonight, so it'll drop tomorrow on August the 8th. You can also follow us on Twitter at EyesOnTexasFB on Twitter. Also on Instagram, EyesOnTexasPod on the Insta. And a Facebook page is coming soon, coming this week, hopefully, to get that launched. We know a lot of you follow stuff on Facebook. We want you to be there. And, of course, the EOT is powered by our great friends at Grande Equipment, one of our founding partners. We have six of them, and Grande Equipment, our title sponsor. Before we get into our, our conversation today, let me mention Grande Equipment. They are our presenting partners. Uh, our great friend and partner Wes Murray and his team understand that your reputation when you have a project, large or small, I mean, 
huge freeway projects and uh, massive uh, expansive projects. Grande is there for you, but a smaller project too for your your ranch or your lease or your your land that you have. When you have a project and the equipment you need, all that matters is getting it done, getting it done, done on time. And that's why Grande partners with you on every project you have. They've operated this way for 31 years. They always tell me they're not in the equipment business. They're in the relationship business. When you need the right piece of equipment for that project, large or small, it's what you need, what you want. They'll get it to you quickly without hassles, uncertainty, and being job site ready. Uh, they are independent, as I say, which means they're not locked into one single manufacturer. They can get you a Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, Volvo, and many more. Heavy equipment sales, rentals, and uh, everything you need. It's Grande Equipment. They also have a new renewable energy sector supporting solar projects all over the great state and all over the country. They specialize in that pile driver application, both new and used. Uh, the capability of renting statewide and nationally. Grande Equipment, folks. They're small and nimble and independent, but man, they play in the big leagues in a big way. Uh, capability of doing everything you need. Find them online at grandeequipment.com. They don't overpromise, they overdeliver every single time, just like this podcast. Let's get it going. We break the EOT into four quarters every episode, plus a halftime segment, which we'll get coming up in the second quarter. We're here from a couple of, uh, we're here from Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian talking all things current Texas. Longhorns, as we say, we record on a Monday night. They've had five practices to this point. Uh, Sark will highlight some early standouts, including some freshmen that are standing out. Remember last year it was a Kelvin Banks. Two summers ago, it was Xavier Worthy, who burst on the scene as a freshman. There's some names being thrown around early. Uh, true freshman for Texas, in addition to all the veteran leadership that they have. Uh, also, uh, in our third quarter, we're here from a couple of Longhorn leaders. Their impressions of the improved leadership from Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, as well as the overall team chemistry. We're here from one of the Texas leaders who's in year six, saying this is far and away the best locker room he's played in at Texas. We'll also have our halftime segment. We'll check into now former Longhorns making their way into the NFL including uh, Micah Parsons speaking highly of a former Longhorn named DeMarvion Overshone, the Cowboys' third-round draft pick. And in our fourth and final quarter, uh, we'll discuss the weekend of landscape-changing events in college athletics. Uh, the Big 12 is growing. The, Pac-12 is th- or the Big 12 is thriving. The Big 10 is growing. Pac- Big 12 is thriving. And the century-old Pac-12 is dead, as we know it. So we'll get into that. Plus, an update on the state's number one high school prospect for 2024. He is Colin Simmons from Duncanville High. He will choose his school of choice on Thursday. So we'll get a preview, get Mike uh, Craven's prediction on what might happen with Mr. Colin Simmons. But it is our first quarter. It's presented by the TexasMortgageGuy.com. We kick it off with our man Carlos Carrion, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. Mike, let's start with this, and then we're going to hear an interview, an exclusive you did with Steve Sarkeesian, the sit-down, heavy hitter interview. The you, it's <laughs> like you're uh, Ed Bradley or something. I love this. Yeah, coaching school. <laughs> Nobody else goes, so I kind of get all those guys to oh, myself. There's so like good. three or four reporters. It's really nice. So good. But today, also on this Monday, the USA Today Coaches Poll was released. Uh, Georgia is number one, rightfully. They're back-to-back national champions, champions until beat. Michigan is number two. Alabama, who the Longhorns will play in week three, number three. Longhorns will be at Tuscaloosa, second week of the year. Ohio State is four. LSU comes in at five. USC with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams is six. Penn State, seven. Florida State, eight. Interesting. Clemson, Tennessee, Washington, and then Texas. Sitting at number 12, of course, Washington beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl last December. They're one spot ahead with Michael Penix back, all those receivers. So Texas at 12, thoughts? That's about where I, I figured that they would be. I mean, they're a, they're a top 10 team talent-wise, but but I feel like most coaches are, are wait-and-see people. Like, they've been burned on Texas. I saw a poll 
uh, where they, they Texas was ranked as one of the more overrated teams by the coaches as well. So you know, I think for, for a lot of coaches, they've heard this song and dance. They, Texas is always touted as going to be really good, and there's a little bit of, of hesitancy to rank them higher there than maybe like the media poll would be. But but 12 seems right. I, I don't think that overinflates what Texas is. You know, they still need to prove it on the football field, uh, but they're absolutely one of the top 15 teams in, in the in the country. And with their early season record or early season schedule, they'll be able to prove this pretty early. We'll know, you know, where they should be ranked pretty quickly in this season. Well, and now when you see it in black and white, something we've discussed over the first 15 episodes of the Eyes on Texas multicast, this is episode 16, um, you see what we've been talking about. Four SEC schools in the top 10, uh, Georgia. Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, all in the top 10. Three Big Ten schools in the top seven in the country. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Yeah, add Washington. Uh, Washington. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean. That's a Big Ten team. Big Ten. Soon to be. Not this year. I know, but that's just insane. It is insane. insane. Add Washington. I'm like, you're confusing. Yes, that's right. Let's get get through this year first. Let's get through tomorrow. That's that's, that's what's going to be a funny thing, right, is like, you know, Washington's going to win the Pac-12 this year or something like right off into the Big Ten. Like, there's like every, yeah, it's just, you know, Oregon State and Washington State need to go win Texas would like to ride off with Mm -hmm. a championship, obviously, out of the Big 12. But when when I say that, when I say four SEC schools three in the big 10 uh even in the uh the the pac-12 you've got usc and when washington is in there at number 11 uh, of course they've lost to utah utah's at 14 and they've beaten usc each of the last three times they've played you know texas is the only big 12 team that's anywhere in the top 15 um no one else shows up so again it's it's a free, it's an open road you know, kansas state uh excuse me tcu sits at 16 kansas state's at 17 texas tech is at 24 oklahoma's at 19 so you got schools behind texas but there's not you know when you're when you're georgia or alabama or lsu or tennessee you got collision courses with really top end teams ohio state michigan and penn state have to knock each other around a little bit uh usc's got a little tougher road so texas of all the top 12 teams has the most open road to the big picture conversations, even if they lose to Alabama week two. Yeah, I mean, at least on paper. I mean, I would take Kansas State over Tennessee on a neutral field week one. Me too. You, you know, like TCU wasn't supposed to be very good, and they went and beat Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, yeah, right? I mean, like, definitely underrated in this right, poll right. and in the, in the like, media poll. This is a perception poll. Yeah. And the perception is is that the top teams in the SEC are better than the top teams in the Big 12. And, you know, there's six SEC teams ranked, and there's five Big 12 teams ranked. So there's just five of those SEC. They're just really high up there, yep. and then A&M's at 25 to, to fit A&M in there for some reason. Uh, but, like – I, I guess to me it just see it just it's polling what people think of a conference and yeah. they think the top is better than the SEC and that's what I worry about with this expanded playoff especially if they take away the the six automatic qualifiers because the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore in, in that way is it is it going to be just the top twelve teams in the country and by top twelve teams in the country I mean the ones deemed by the media and former coaches as the top twelve teams in the country where it becomes confirmation bias in an echo chamber because you started Ole Miss ranked higher. They're going to be higher. Than, higher didn't lose, right? It, it's, it's just going to become a, a you know kind of what we thought the BCS was and what the four team. It's been well, I think invitational. right now. It's supposed to be the top six and then six at large. Well, the the worry six though is champions. the worry though is is that since the Pac-12 is no longer a power conference, they're already starting to leak through the media that they want to kind of go back and, and reevaluate that. that. And one of the things being floated, and it was floated by a pretty pro- predominant ESPN reporter, which means that the presidents are trying to see gauge the public's reaction to these things, Trial right? That's how yes, that's how this works. Uh, kind of floated the idea of well, what if it was like the BCS and they just picked the top twelve teams? And it's like now, now we're starting to see. 
what the real plan was. And that is to get a format to where it can be five SEC teams, five Big Ten teams, and the Big 12 champion and one throwaway team, and they just kind of have a conference within each other, ESPN versus Fox, and everybody splits the money. Georgia number one. I'm not over it. I don't have a problem with Michigan number two. Jim Harbaugh said he could have as many as 20, (laughs) 20 players drafted into the NFL off this year's team. They're at two, Bama, three, Ohio State, and LSU. It is not lost on anybody that follows college football that of the top four teams in the country, three of them replace quarterbacks. Uh, Only one that brings their quarterback back is Michigan and J.J. McCarthy, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, brand-new QBs in that spot. LSU has a returning quarterback, USC. Penn State has a transfer. By the way, speaking of teams that might be overrated, who trusts James Franklin in a big game? (laughs) Does anybody at this point? Really, at this point? uh, I like you know Penn State and their history, but James Franklin has not been able to get done. Florida State, are they ready to come back with Mike Norville? I don't know. Clemson seems to be sliding of late uh, as far as Dabo Swinney, but Cade Klubnick, the Austinite from Westlake, right here near our radio station. He'll be starting for them this year. Tennessee, interesting with Josh Heupel and, uh, you know, their new quarterback. Again, the road for Texas, at least in the perception poll, clearer and no big roadblocks, not nearly as many as the other top schools in the country. That's my takeaway from the top 25 with the uh, the five Big 12 schools all ranked behind the Longhorns, who were the preseason favorite to win the Big 12. All right, uh, with that in mind, let's go exclusive. My man uh, Mike Craven right here, senior writer of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, going one-on-one, 60 minutes, Ed Bradley style with <laughs> the head coach of the Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian, who is by no means shying away from the expectations we just talked about. Here with Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Coach, uh, you've been in state for a few years now. I I heard you give a great answer in there just about what sets Texas apart at the high school football level. For you, just getting to watch high school football at a lot of different places, what's different about this place? Well, I think there's definitely a level of commitment that uh, every community, you know, every every ISD, every every school, every coach gives to their program that uh, is different than from around the country. And uh, the resources provided for the young men to, to perform, uh, the commitment in the off-season, the off-season conditioning program um, definitely shows up. And uh, ultimately, there's, just a, there's a brand and a style of play that uh, I think that anybody from the state of Texas would be proud of. Um, year three. Going into year three, a lot of continuity on the coaching staff. Obviously, pretty much a new roster than the one you inherited. Where do you think you all have improved the most since you stepped foot in that door? Well, uh, man, it's tough. So I, I, I do think we're better up front on both sides of the ball. Um, I think we have more playmaking ability on the perimeter. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that from a staff standpoint, I do think we're connected. Like there is a continuity. You mentioned it earlier. There is a staff continuity that uh, I think is impactful that, that, that ultimately shows up. So uh, I hate to pinpoint one thing because I think there's a lot of things that are building the momentum that we have right now. Now, Quinn Ewers' excitement levels building. I heard you have Big 12 Media Day kind of talk about his potential. You were a quarterback, and you've gone from year one to year two before. How much does that help a quarterback just going into year two of the same system, the same teammates, and, and just having that? Well, I think it's huge. Um, you know, Quinn came in with a lot of expectations, like any quarterback when they come to Texas. But ultimately, he put his head down and went to work. Coming out of year one, he regenerated what work looks like and body fat's gone down 
weight's gone down, mullet's gone, commitment to the team is, is, is at the highest level it's ever been. So ultimately, it's like when you, when you dive into something, that that's when you get the result. And uh, he's committed. And that, from, from a head coach perspective, that's your quarterback. Man, what, what else do you want? You know, the guy's committed to what we're doing. Expectations are always high at Texas, but it feels like it, it, they feel even higher going into this year. Uh, how do you kind of go about managing those expectations, or do you just let those guys embrace it and say, hey, we're the University of Texas, let's go win this thing? I think you have to embrace it. I, I think that you have to acknowledge it at least if you don't embrace it. You have to say, okay, this is where we're at. This is what public perception is. Um, and that's great. Let's put that over here. Now let's go back to what we need to do to focus on the task at hand to be to be the best team that we can be. And, and ultimately, like, I think that our players understand that. Like, I love the maturity of this team. They're not so caught up in what everybody else thinks. They're more focused on what do we think? What do we need to do? And that, that to me, is a sign of a great team. It feels like everybody wants to talk about the SEC and that eventual move, but there's a lot of guys on this team that aren't gonna be there when you move to the SEC, right? Like, this is a huge year for them. How do you kind of keep the focus in-house on this year and not the, the extracurricular it's stuff? It's been very simple. I haven't had to do much. The players have done it all. They've been focused on 2023. We have a locker room full of guys that want to win a Big 12 championship. That's our focus. And it's not about the SEC or what that might look like or what the future schedule looks like. How are we going to win a championship this year? And uh, I commend the guys for being that committed to it. And then lastly, I guess, what does it take? You've been on teams that have won every single week and that grind of just having to come every single week. Like, how do you get that team, this group that hasn't had to do that before, ready to kind of go through 12 or 13 weeks of that? Well, the reality of it is, is how do you stay, how do you have the mental fortitude, mm -hmm. right? How do, you, how do you stay focused on the task at hand when adversity is swirling all around you. And uh, that's our job, you know, and that, I think that's the beauty of having a veteran team. That's the ability to talk to our players in a way that I think that we talk to them differently than any other program in the country. I think our players respect the way that we speak. And uh, ultimately, how do you stay focused on the task at hand? And uh, that's the challenge, but it's a great challenge. You know, a lot of, not a lot of teams get that challenge. We have it, now let's see what we can do with it. All right, Coach, appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, good stuff right there, Mike Craven. There's uh, Steve Sarkeesian. What do you think he meant there at the end when he talked about we talk to our team unlike any other team in the country? I thought that was interesting. Like, what do you, what they mean, the connection? I think they treat them like professionals. You know, they talk about it as a... Uh, you know, less culture, college, rah-rah, and more like let's go get paid and go win and everybody can go make a lot of money and this thing can be a big – you want to make $100 million playing football, come to the University of Texas, we'll turn you into a $100 million football player. Yeah. And, you know, the the Lamborghini sponsorships and all the U NIL stuff, the Panini cards, and, you know, I, I think they treat it like a business and they talk to the players like a business and they're honest about kind of what the University of Texas can do for those players and what a big season can do uh, for everybody's bottom line. They don't shy away from that. In a way, I think a lot of coaches are still kind of clinging on to this as amateurism, and it's all about the game, and it's about the helmet, and the, the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. And I think Sark is pretty clear with, like, 
the name on the front of the jersey can help that name on the back of the, the jersey do some generational wealth stuff here if we all get even this thing together and go win the football. NFL, right? right. Yeah, even, even if you yeah. don't ever make it big time in the national football, get to that second contract, you can make a lot of money yeah. while you're here. And I do think there is a genuine likability about Sark and his staff with the continuity. And we've talked you know, in recent episodes about – you know, players who have Sark's cell number, DeMonte Tucker-Dorsey, the one-year linebacker last year from James Madison, said, I never had my head coach's cell phone, and I had Sark's, and I could text him anytime, ask him a question. You know, he was that's, open with— By the way, that's, like, more revealing about other coaches than about Sark. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like, that's that's an issue. Like, if you're if you're playing football somewhere and you can't text your head coach, then that's a problem. Yeah, you've got firewalls built between right. you and your players. Right. That's how, like, Northwestern stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. You should be able to go right to him and tell him about things like that, maybe that are going on on the campus uh, that he needs to know about or behind the scenes. You're exactly right about that. Well said, as usual, by Matt Craven. A great interview. I thought that was uh, really good stuff. Uh, all right. That's our first quarter. Coming up, we'll hear more from Sark. That interview was from Coach's School uh, you know, a week or so ago, but or a couple weeks ago, but still good, good conversation. We'll hear Sark today as we record on this Monday, August 7th. His thoughts on the first five workouts for the Longhorns. Guys who are standing out. Also, we're from some Longhorn players coming up about the chemistry in that locker room. We want to tell you that our first quarter on the Eyes on Texas multi-podcast is brought to you by and closed on time by our man Carlos Carrion, the Texas mortgage guy. Find him online at the, make sure you get put that, the, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. When it's time for a new mortgage or one of those refis, always better. Working with an expert in the field who is also a diehard Longhorn fan like you are. Um, makes sense. Works better. You've got uh, so, you know someone who knows this market. Lifelong Austinite who's raised in the, in this market, uh, but you're working with a like-minded person, knows the business, knows the lay of land, but we'll talk some Texas football with you. Uh, diehard Longhorn fan. Just a great guy. Not here to provide just a quote for you. He's your guide to help solve problems, strategize uh, some of the most important decisions and you'll make in your life and certainly your financial life. When it comes to a new home, he is Carlos Carrion, C-A-R-R-E-O-N, uh, and you find him on the website. I can give you his phone number, but everybody goes to the web now, thetexasmortgageguy.com. That's thetexasmortgageguy.com. He's also on Twitter. You'll see Carlos liking a lot of the things we do with our Eyes on Texas Twitter page. Uh, so find him there for a new mortgage, new refi, any question about the market in Austin. Maybe you're looking to move here, buy a rental property or sell a rental property, whatever it might be, or a home. Call Carlos, thetexasmortgageguy.com. All right, Mike Craven, let's get into our second quarter. It's always delivered by the good times, an incredible scratch comfort food at Hayes City Store and Ice House, an absolute destination location in Driftwood, Texas. I was just out there over the weekend, Mike, and they had a, a brush fire issue that had closed down early on Saturday night. There was a fire out there between Dripping Springs and Wimberley that got a little tenuously close, about two miles away at one point, but uh, all things under control. That reminds you we've had uh, how many days of 100-degree heat? Too many. Too many. Don't be throwing <laughs> your cigarette butts out the window. Be wise. My Our, our digital producer, Nolan Hogue, was out at the uh, McKinney Falls State Park this weekend. Make sure you're you know, taking yeah, care you of your— You hit my house with a rock from that place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but second quarter— can we hear from Steve Sarkeesian? This is some fresher content from, you know, we had the interview you had with Mike, or Mike did with Sark last couple weeks ago down in Houston. But uh, Sark was asked today at an availability after the Longhorns' fifth workout, Mike, about the changing face of college football. Here's another thing I really like about Sark. I mean, obviously, a lot on the line for Sark this year to kind of prove that he's a championship-level coach and uh, not just all hype. But, you know, he was asked about everything that's gone on over the weekend. He's from Los Angeles. He grew up in Pac-10, Pac-12 country. Uh, you know, obviously Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten. Uh, the four corner schools are all bolting to the Big 12. The Pac-12 as we know it, Pac-10 as he knew it, over. And here's Sark when asked about that changing face and the landscape of college athletics. 
a year ago, adapt or die. College football's changing on a lot of levels, so you got to adapt to what it is. You all have to adapt to what it is, right? The, the game is changing, the, the conferences are changing, NIL's changing, transfer portal's changing. We're in the Big 12 this year. That's what our focus is on. What, what everybody else decides to do, that's up to them. All right, so quick and easy for Sark, adapt or die, Mike. And, you know, I do think there's, you know, sometimes play, players pay attention to what's going on. If your coach is talking about control the controllables, control what you can, can deal with, look in this locker room, but then he's out bitching about the transfer portal or bitching about NIL or the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban dust-up of last year, you know, that you know, focus on what you're focused on. Not You can't control all that. You cannot like it. That's perfectly fine. Uh, that's for us to talk about. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, let's focus on our season. We can't you know, we can't change what's going on there. Adapt or die. That new Napoleon movie is coming out, so I've been kind of French Revolution style Ooh. history uh, down a rabbit hole, and this reminds me of the uh, the Marie Antoinette like let them eat cake. Yeah, you know, like, he doesn't have to worry about it because he's going to the SEC. Yeah, you know, so you don't have to like look behind you at the car wreck when you're like driving in front of it, and and Texas and and teams in the Big Twelve or the Big Ten and the SEC don't have to pay attention to what's going on, and so uh, I think Sark has been pretty calculated on not getting drawn into out of Texas conversations. He's pretty good at like kind of, I don't really like to talk about NIL or we just do our own thing with the portal or not talking about realignment. And he's just all about football because he knows how big this year is for him. I guess I'm, I'm used to having covered Texas and you've been around it your whole life. You know, Mac Brown had rabbit ears, would hear everything. I wanted to comment on everything that was going on in college football. Uh, Sark, you know, you're right. He, he pays attention to it. Same time, Control and you're right. He doesn't have to worry about it. I mean, he's not in the car wreck right now. He's going to. Now he's got his own issues once he gets to the SEC because you're going to the rough and tough SEC, and we all know what that means. But control what you can. Uh, changing face of college football. Let's hear from Sark on things he can control. That's the first five practices. He talked about some early standouts and actually, you know, early on in his availability today through the fifth practice, talked about guys that uh, who's been showing up for him when he's watching these workouts. Uh, five works at workouts in. Some guys that I think are, are just really standing out, playing well. I think Alfred Collins has a really good camp so far. Uh, I think Vernon Broughton showed up. I think A.D. Mitchell has really showed up. Um, definitely see the improvement in, in Jonte Cook. Um, just to name a few guys. I know you guys always ask me. So, All right, so there's a couple names. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting when he mentions some guys. But, you know, they want to light a fire under Alfred Collins. And if you notice that he's doing it, uh, let, let's step it up. I mean, Vernon Broughton is a guy that people forget about. He's in that defensive line rotation. He was a high four-star, almost five-star player at some services at defensive tackle. Uh, and then you hear the name Jonte Cook, which was interesting, which we'll hear more from Sark on Jonte, the freshman from DeSoto. Also, some of the other freshmen that are stepping up. But your thoughts on what you just heard there? Yeah, I mean, if Alfred Collins really does take a step forward, even if he doesn't become like ultra-menace Al Alfred Collins, if he just gets halfway there. And then Vernon Broughton's also kind of the four-star guy we thought back in the recruiting class. I mean, now all of a sudden Texas has four, five, six-man rotation in the middle of the defensive line. And that's a luxury that most teams don't have, especially in the Big 12. And so uh, you can do a lot when you can when you can plug in the middle and, and let Jalen Ford go do his stuff. So those are two names that you want to hear. Um, we'll have to see it you know, on the football field to kind of believe it right and see if they can turn it on uh, during those games and be consistent. But uh, that front line of the defensive tackle, the defense line group, is going to be really good. The question is about what's behind them. And if those guys can be really good and consistent and play better, that's a great sign for Texas. Yeah, you know, coaches will tell you the hardest thing to find is those interior are those interior defensive linemen. And Texas is stockpiled. I mean, the, the Byron Murphy, Devondre Sweat starting two, and then you've got you know the, the Minnesota transfer, Trill Carter. Vernon, uh, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, 
It's a really good rotation. A, a freshman out of New Jersey named Sadir Mitchell, mm, who's a big a dude, 340 pounds. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bo Davis earning his paycheck and going to work. And you're right, if they can you know, get that best out of Alfred Collins, even 70%, 80% of Alfred Collins, over 25 or 30 reps in a game or snaps in a game, can be game-changing, big picture. You know, Playing next to a guy like Byron Murphy, whose motor never stops, right? He plays all the time. Uh, and, and I think Tavondre Sweat is back to sh- show the NFL – he can be a Sunday player, too, much like Keandre Coburn and uh, Moro Ojimo did last year. Uh, all right, let's hear cut three, Nolan, our digital producer, who finds all this content for us. Jalen Catalan is an interesting name. Arkansas transfer. Texas fans remember playing at Arkansas a few years ago in Steve Sarkeesian's first year, and uh, didn't go well. Didn't go well, and Jalen Catalan was a menace. Now, he was a big-time problem for Texas in that game, and for everybody in the SEC, he was a freshman All-American. Uh, but he's battled injuries. He's battled shoulder injuries. He asked a good question today of Sark was about, are you being careful with Jalen Catalan? How do you deal with a guy who's had you know, shoulder operations, but he's a, he's a big hitter? He likes to come up and stick people. He's a heat-seeking missile who gets after it. Here's, a, here's an interesting answer from Sark on Jalen Catalan and what he's brought to this team already. I think he's had a real impact on our team, definitely defensively and in the secondary. Um, he is very intentional with his work. Um, he's, he's got a high level of intensity and mental focus. He communicates on a really high level. Um, and then when he knows, he goes. And, and that's, that's a great trait, not just for him, but for other guys to see of a style of play in the secondary. So, you know, we manage him with – you know, the days when, when we got him in a green jersey and we don't want him to have contact, and then we manage him with days when, when we do want to have him have contact. We're trying not to have back-to-back days uh, with him. I'm not concerned about Jalen Catalan come week one hitting somebody. You know, I think that that is in his DNA. And so we just got to manage it as we get ourselves to the season. But uh, I don't want to take his stinger from him, you know. So we, we'll manage it on our own. Uh, but when we give him the green light to go play, we want him to play the way he's accustomed to playing. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to stop a guy playing the way that he's always played football. And that's what makes him really good, right? Like his recklessness, for for lack of a better word, is what makes Catalan Catalan. So you don't want to harness that at all. You just hope he plays safe. And you just assume he's going to miss a game or two. You know, and you just hope it's only that and your depth is good enough to, to withstand it. The quote I like in there from Sark is, when he sees it, he goes, right? If he reads it, don't hesitate. And I think even if for Jalen Catalan were to get hurt at some point this year, which we probably should anticipate, that's just the way it's been for him. If he doesn't, that's a luxury. That'd be great. But I think what Sark is saying is he's kind of teaching our younger guys how to play the position. Uh, we need you to go. If you see what, if you read it, if you trust your cues and trust what we've coached you, trust your teaching, go. Don't hesitate. Go make a play. Uh, and Texas is trying to force more turnovers on defense or trying to have more explosive plays on defense, uh, trying to have more impactful plays. It's like Jalen Ford last year took the huge step. Longhorns only forced 14 turnovers last year. Jalen Ford must have forced six of them mm-hmm. because he do- he goes and makes plays when it's time. They think that's what Jalen Catalan is. So if he stays healthy, watch out. But you also have young safeties that are learning uh, from him and and seeing, okay, that's how you play the position. I think, you know, I'm not rooting for anybody to get hurt, but you just kind of have to look at his history and say there could be some time where he's not there, but they have depth at that position. There's no doubt about that, safety and corner. All right, here's Sark on Jonte Cook. He is the fabulous freshman out of uh, DeSoto High, 
won a state title last year with Claude Mathis as the head coach there. Of course, Byron Murphy's a DeSoto player. Trey Wisner, who's come in mm-hmm. from that school, their, their you know, pipeline is open. But, you know, I always think about this. Two years ago, it was Xavier Worthy that everybody was talking about, the buzz about the freshman. This year, or last year, was Kelvin Banks, who didn't come in as an early enrollee, Mike. He came in right in the yep. summer and excelled early, and you start hearing his name, and then he has a freshman All-American season. Here's a Sark on what Jonte Cook is brought to the table, uh, the freshman from DeSoto. They have really good coaches at DeSoto, and they have, then he's, been, he's been coached in a way that, that he believes in, and then you, you go to a new system or scheme, just like when our guys leave us, that it's about doing things the way that organization wants it done, whether it's a specific route or a scheme or whatever. Um, and what, what, I've, what I've loved about Jonte right now is he, how coachable he is. You know, I think he's really trying to do um, what we're asking of him to do. And then when he doesn't do it the right way, he acknowledges, acknowledges that and tries to do it again better the next time. Um, but I just think there's a, there's a level of comfort schematically. I think that it's making sense to him, you know, what we're asking of him. Um, and then he's, he's – you know, making the most of, of his opportunities. And not perfect, like, you know, this time of camp with receivers, you know, how do we minimize the drops? How do we, how do we take advantage of opportunities, 50-50 balls? And so those things are going to happen. Uh, but when you're playing fast and you have an idea of knowing what to do and you're coachable and you're not making the same mistakes twice, uh, you give yourself an opportunity to be successful in this system. Uh, and, that, and that's... All right, so uh, Jonte Cook making an early impression. And think about it last year, Mike, the, the receiver position when Isaiah Nair got hurt, they were in a, in, a, in a bad spot because they didn't have a real deep threat. Xavier had to play slot X, move him around. Jordan Whittington was the other guy, but you know Casey Kane never really stepped up into that third receiver role this year. Different animal with the addition of A.D. Mitchell, who has flashed in a big way already. Uh, he's already turning heads at camp. Uh, you you know you have Xavier Worthy healthy and, and in a junior season. Xavier, you know Jordan Whittington's down in weight and quicker and, and faster than he's been. Isaiah Nair's healthy, and now you have a, a Deshante or a Jonte Cook and a DeAndre Moore kind of pushing those guys. That's a deep room uh, at a position where in a Sark offense you have to have it. Yeah, I mean if your second wave can be as good as this one can be, I mean that, that's trouble for a defense. Like there there's no letting off the gas. You know to, to take uh, Steve Sarkeesian's term there. Um, you know, Cook's a silky smooth guy that you, you saw and you, you can compare him to Xavier Worthy very easily. Like when you watch him play in high school, you can, you can make that uh, connection. They're both really skinny, uh, very light on their feet, just smooth route runners, really good with the ball in their hands after the catch, which I think is one of the things that Cook does the best of. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him on punts. Uh, as a returner uh, as well during the season because he's so good at that. He's an electric kid, and I think when you're a coach like Sark who you know really believes in getting your best weapons the football, you look at a guy like that and you go, i got to figure out four or five ways a game to let him impact it. And that's one of my favorite things about Sark is he doesn't call plays just to call him. He calls plays for the players. And, and I think Cook becomes one of those guys. He draws up, a, like to, to use a basketball term, I think he draws up a play for Jonte Cook two or three times a game because you need him to touch the football. Yeah, and we saw it in the spring game. I mean, he got behind the defense, and it was you know some backups and some some young guys. But same time, electric. You saw it at, Dunk, you saw it at DeSoto, and now you're hearing about it already on campus. One more from Sark, and it's you know a little bit on Jonte, but the freshman – uh, Sark has shown he takes the subscribes to the to the Nick Saban idea. Uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I don't care what your number is next to your name. If you're good enough and you come in with the right mindset, we'll put you on the field. He was asked about C.J. Baxter 
Uh, of course, the young freshman running back from Orlando, Florida. But Sark goes into Baxter and some of the other true freshmen who are stepping up early in training camp. I think he's come a long way. You know, again, like a lot of these guys, you mentioned Jonte, you mentioned Anthony Hill, you mentioned C.J. Baxter. When they come from high school, there's, the game changes, right? Everything changes. The, the nuances, the, the details, the, the schemes change. And there's that transition period for them that, that takes a minute. And uh, like, like all three of these guys, I really credit because we haven't, you know, we haven't gone out there with training wheels on the bikes with these guys. You know, we, we've taken the training wheels off. We've pushed them down the road and they've fallen some. Um, but now they're learning, they've learned how to ride the bike. And CJ's no different. You know, he's pass protecting, he's running routes, he's running the ball well. Um, I think he's got a real understanding of, of, you know, systematically what we try to do. When he makes an error, he's very coachable and tries to do it right. But the one thing, like with all three of those guys you mentioned, effort is never an issue, right? They play hard. Like Anthony Hill plays hard. CJ Baxter runs hard, plays hard. Jonte runs hard. And so we critique effort first. We can deal with some of the errors. But as long as you're coachable and you give us great effort, you know, all right, there's Steve Sarkeesian uh, talking about some of the newcomers uh, in our second quarter here. Early standouts, newcomers, Jalen Catalan. Coming up, I know what you're wanting to hear about. Quinn, yours, how is he doing at quarterback? Uh, we won't hear from Sark on that. We're going to hear from some of his teammates uh, who are seeing a different Quinn, yours, without the mullet. Also, uh, a player who's been here six years, the only player on the Texas roster in our third quarter. You hear from him, the only player who play, has played in a Big 12 championship game, actually been there in Arlington uh, to try to decide a championship. He is speaking glowingly about this current uh, culture and chemistry at the University of Texas. We'll hear that coming up. Uh, also, our halftime segment here coming up. Hey, City Store brings us our second quarter, open for business. You know that is a destination location there to serve you and your family, your friends for any occasion or just to show up. They're open every day, seven days a week, offering seating on their beautiful patio, the outdoor sports bar, the ice house as they call it, live music six nights a week. Also inside, if you've got to get out of the oppressive heat, they've got a great air conditioned area as well, which is the original Hayes City store. It's where it all started. A little diner feel to it with the open kitchen. Really a great spot. Uh, it has become famous already for their scratch Texas comfort food. Wood-fired pizzas, the best burgers you'll find. Their chicken fried steak is incredible. Chicken fried chicken might be even good, better if you if you want to get off the red meat a little bit. Over 53 beers on tap, full bars in both inside and outside. Uh, they are a destination location. It's amazing. Every time we're out there, huge parties, anniversaries, birthdays, graduations, that's where they gather is Hayes City Store and Ice House. Or just you and, uh, you and the wife, you and the girlfriend, you and some friends watching your favorite uh, baseball games or football games in the fall. 8989 FM 150 in Driftwood, Texas is where you'll find Hayes City store uh the complete mouth-watering menu is online at hayscitystoretx.com also want you to check out the new location owned by travis and tamra tindall that's in downtown buda which is about 15 minutes away 10 15 minutes from hay city store it's called taste on main right on main street in historic downtown buda uh, steaks and oysters and seafood. It is upper shelf, but boy, is it good. You don't have to go all the way into downtown Austin to get a great, great high-end meal uh, in kind of a cool, old-school setting like Taste on Main in Buda and Hay City Store in Ice House. All right, halftime time. Uh, take a little breather from the Texas football talk, but you know we'll always be all about Texas football here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, powered by Grande Equipment. Our halftime segment delivered with just the right pressure by One Source Gas, your one-stop shop. Uh, shop in Central Texas for all gas products. Wanted to play some of these, Mike Craven. Get your thoughts. Um, Longhorns into the NFL. In our halftime segment through the football season, as we said, we're going to hear from a lifetime Longhorn. 
uh, kept, keep keep up with what they're up to, and obviously follow the progress of Longhorns playing on Sundays, playing in the National Football League. So here we are. Training camps are underway. The training, you know, the preseason really gets going on Thursday. And I had the Hall of Fame game last week, but uh, Cowboys play Saturday at home. Texans play the Patriots on Thursday night. So the NFL games are starting to, to, to ramp up. Only three preseason games now. But uh, three players of interest that have, have gained some notoriety here in the last week. Let's first start with B. John Robinson in Atlanta. He was the eighth pick of the draft. He is already balling out. The highlight reels are all over going viral. The catches he's making, the routes he's running, the weapon he is. We all know that. Uh, here's Sark, though. Steve Sarkeesian was on the Rich Eisen Show, uh, which you now hear on the horn, by the way, here in Austin, Texas, every afternoon from 2 to 5. Rich Eisen Show, uh, part of our lineup now here at the horn, or over at the horn. But uh, Sark on Bijan, interesting. It's something we've heard before, but to hear Sark tell a national audience and a Rich Eisen type type audience, which is trying to get to know Bijan Robinson for the first time, pretty interesting from Sark. I, I kept getting asked this question throughout the uh, the draft process from all the teams. Is okay. this is this kid for real? Is this real? I mean, is he really <laughs> this nice? Is he really you know this genuine? Is he really this hardworking? Is he really this considerate of his teammates and supportive and all that? I said, I got to be honest with you. I was on the job at Texas in, in, uh, was that 2021? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was about on the job for about a month, maybe two months. And I called him into my office and I tell I told all the NFL teams this. I asked him the exact same question straight to his face. I said, are you for real? Like, are you this good of a kid every single day of your life? And he just kind of smirked at me and he said, coach, I just am who I am every day. Like he is an awesome human being. As good of a football player he is, he's a better person. And so that's that's what he, that's the funny story because it's like sometimes he's too good to be true. I think on the recruiting trail when I was working at the Statesman, I ran into two kids where you knew they're going places in life whether they play football or not. One was Bajon Robinson, the other was Caden Stearns. Like yeah. where, where it felt like you were talking to a 25-year-old, 17-year-old, and like they had had it figured out and he just – they were who they were legitimately, and it's impressive to see it continue for both of them. I think Sam Ellinger was that way too, and obviously yeah. he dealt with, with the heartbreak and the tragedy of his family. But, yes, remember uh, my boys help us with this this multicast, and uh, my oldest is the same age as Sam Ellinger, and I remember thinking, yeah, Griffin doesn't act like Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger acts like he's older than me. I mean, he's older <laughs> than me. This guy's shaking my hand. He's looking me in the eye. We're talking. He's like, oh, hello, Mr. Hogan. Uh, Sam Ellinger, same way, but yeah. Uh, and, of course, Caden Stearns came from a, mil- a strong military background. Uh, Bijan, very faithful, uh, but just a great kid. Great kid, and he's going to be a star with the Atlanta Falcons. Wanted to play that for you here on our halftime. Also, Micah Parsons. This is interesting, right? The Cowboys, with Dan Quinn running their defense, who's the 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 the, the architect of the uh, positionless defense concept where, you know, you might be a safety, you might be a linebacker, you might be a pass rusher. We don't care. We just want you to make plays on, on Sundays. Uh, Micah Parsons is probably the freakiest of those positionless players in this league. Uh, national. But DeMarvion Overshone came in to, to Texas from, from ARP, Texas as a safety, moved to linebacker, and just a natural athlete. Here's Micah Parsons through, you know, the, the couple of weeks the Longhorns have had talking about their third-round pick, 90th overall, DeMarvion Overshone, what he's seeing and the advice he's giving him. One guy, man, I know y'all saw him out there today was, you know, Demo, man, Overshone, bro. Um, man, the way he's gravitated to me, the way I'm like, man, just let it go. Like, you see him flash and you just kind of see him shoot a gap. I'm like, bro, just let it go all the time. Like, stop thinking, just play your game. I was like, bro, one thing I did, 
I was just really good at one thing, and I was like, bro, I could get better at other thing else. But I was like, you can't get better at everything, and you're three weeks here. Like, so I was like, bro, one thing about me, I was a really good blitz, I was a really good pass rush. So you know what I did? I made sure every time they dialed up a blitz, every time they did that, I was really fucking good at that. Like, I was like, I made sure I was dominant in that area. I was like, the coverage and all that other stuff, I can learn that. But I was like, bro, you need to show them that you're really good at something. Like, and today I was like, bro, now that's how you show that you a freaking playmaker, bro. Like, that's the standard. Like, that's how you do it. That's how you ball out, bro. Come be more happy for it. Yeah, you've uh, covered Marvion since his uh, high school days, and he was an overpowering player at a two A school at ARP. But uh, yeah, making his way into the NFL, and I don't think that that comment from Micah Parsons, even with the f bomb, surprises any Longhorn fan who saw him play here. I love Micah Parsons so much. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and I'm not a Cowboys guy, but he just he's tremendous. Um, I think overshown if used in a correct way can be a truly impactful player in the NFL. I mean, he has some limitations and some things he's going to have to figure out, and he still doesn't know how to play the position. Like He's a baby when it comes to playing linebacker. Uh, but if Dan Quinn, to your point, can unleash him in that positionless football thing and, and just be like, see ball, hit ball, right? Like, go terrorize <laughs> that quarterback on third down, and next offseason we'll teach you the rest. Kind of like Anthony Hill at, at Texas this year, right? Like, go f- like what they did with Harold Perkins at LSU. Like, you identify the thing the guy can do well, you only allow him to do that, and then you grow that skill set in the offseason. I think uh, Overshone can, can do that, and I'm rooting for him, man. Like, he came from, like, nothing, dude. Like, absolutely. Bro, not, like, Michael you, would say bro. You go, like, I mean, I remember being, like, an ARP, ARP versus Newton playoff game you know and you're just like man this is insane right and so like for him to be playing uh for, for the cowboys now the state, arp is east texas deep east texas deep east texas so is newton like if you pass the sign in newton you're in louisiana like that's how <laughs> like it's further east texas than ja- you have to go through jasper to get to newton oh right like that's all you need to know uh and so like to see a kid like that from from the that situation like at that small of a school playing linebacker for the Cowboys like that's I mean, that's that's, that's cool stuff I mean that's, and here that's Michael Parsons stuff. talking about him that he's showing up right. and he's taking the advice and uh you know just just be yourself that's good stuff we'll see the Cowboys play Jacksonville um Saturday night in Arlington as I think they break camp and come back from Oxnard after three weeks out there and uh, Jacksonville will be a good game and you might see a little bit of agent zero in that football game do we know what number team 35 35 as you weren't okay look for 35 uh, also I wanted to play this because I you know this is one we know we had uh, Longhorns drafted uh, including DeMarvion Overshone uh, B. John Robinson was a top 10 pick Roshan Johnson more Ojimo uh, Keandre Coburn but Deshaun Jameson played a lot of football at Texas uh, you know, for gosh, he was a five-star player coming out of high school, big-time high school player, and he was flashy at times at Texas. Had some ups and downs. Great special teams player, speed. But I, I, I pulled this for our halftime segment. Jair Brown, who's a defensive back in San Francisco, who's speaking glowingly of the undrafted free agent, uh, Deshaun Jamison. Interesting conversation here. Yeah, definitely. Um, this guy at the top of the route is probably one of the, the best I've ever seen. You know how quick he can get out of his breaks and attack the ball. You know, um, most guys, you know, take three, four steps, get out of their breaks. Most guys take, you know, even longer than that. This guy, with one step, he's gone. You know, so um, he's not been super impressed with him. His ability to get out of his breaks, make a play on the ball, especially in man coverage. He's been doing some uh, great things out here, and uh, he's going to continue to do that. All right, Mike Cravens, keep an eye on Deshaun Jameson. Best he's ever seen at the top of a route. I mean, I don't know what to make of that, but okay, best he's ever seen. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to take players talking about players with a grain of salt. You know, like they're just talking. You it's know, weird that they're like, talking about an undrafted free agent like, though. That best maybe... they've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, come on. But this is San Francisco. It's not like the media is asking about Deshaun Jameson. There, I do. I do think that he has potential to be a really good football player. I mean, ever, back to his Houston Lamar days, he's always just been a good football player that's gotten on the field that's been counted out. Like Anthony Cook was the big recruit at Houston Lamar during that cycle. It wasn't that's Deshaun right. He was a five star. Yeah, Jameson was the, on the other side, more of a kick returner. Played the opposite corner, but even then, you were like, "Man, I think he may be better. He's not like as long as uh, as tall, uh, but a really good football player." So I, if he may, he, I would not be surprised if he carved out a niche on special teams, and, and then also as like a nickel corner or a backup corner because he has a ton of physical gifts. We know that physical gifts. Yeah, uh, interesting to watch Deshaun Jameson, Moro Jamo, Keandre Coburn, and of course Bijan and Roshan. I uh, saw some some video of Roshan Johnson, the first player on the practice field for the Bears consistently. First guy out there is Roshan Johnson. That won't surprise anybody. Uh, on brand. Uh, on brand for him. Uh, also on brand, One Source Gas of Austin is your Texas compressed gas leader, and they bring you our halftime segment every episode of the Te- uh, Eyes on Texas podcast at Multicast. Uh, One Source Gas provides compressed gases, as you would guess, such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more to various industries in the great state. If you don't use those products, you probably don't need them. But if you do, it is an absolute must. They are your lead go-to for CO2 in the service and hospitality industry, also serving the medical industry as well at, on, at One Source Gas. Uh, locally owned and operated, been in operation for over 12 years, and their growth tells you just how good they are what they do. They started with a few locations, and they have grown now spreading to San Antonio through San Marcos, where they're based now. One Source Gas is the best. So if you own a bar, a restaurant, a dental office, veterinary clinic and you have a business that has compressed gas needs on a daily basis, you're looking for a new CO2 or compressed gas provider, uh, visit their website, get to know them. I promise you, maybe you're frustrated with your current provider, onesourcegasatx.com. All one word, onesourcegasatx.com, or call them at 214-8484. That's 512-214-8484. Richard or one of their great staff members will be happy to help you with all your compressed gas needs. Uh, My buddy Richard Strever there at One Source Gas Austin, the big tailgates all through the football season. Make them your spot. Once more time, that's onesourcegasatx.com. All right, time to uh, get out of halftime, get into our third quarter. It's brought to you by... Our buddy, Dr. Greg Eckert, and his partners at Brain Vault and the Brain Vault technology. Time to play hard, but play safe so adults and kids can play that uh, way. Uh, we'll tell you all about the Brain Vault technology coming up. But uh, let's get into some player cuts, Mike, here in our third quarter. Let's, let's double back to the start of the show. Texas ranked 12th in the preseason in the AP Top 25. We both agreed that's probably about right. Um, you know, dozen teams, top dozen. Uh, that's where the Longhorns should be. Their road to the to the top might be a little easier than some, but at the same time, expectations have not been uh, the good thing for the Longhorns in the, in the past 13 years, if you're looking at it. Uh, but you agree with 12 is kind of a, a good good spot for them. Yeah, I think 12 is a, a good spot. I mean, we talked about this last week. I mean, for me, you know, the coaching staff and just the, the program's ability to win week in and week out is my biggest concern. So 12 feels right. Like, had Texas been having a lot of success and you just look at this roster, I think it could be a top-five roster. Uh, but you know those other teams in front of them have had more recent success, so I think it's a fair place to put them. And you mentioned earlier, K State maybe should be higher. I mean, they're the defending champions. I'm sure K State looks at that poll and says, "Wait a second, you know, yeah, we I mean, won the championship. We got our entire returning yeah. offensive line, most of our offense, a ton on defense, and we're behind that group that hadn't done much of anything in the last decade." Yeah, I mean, TCU went 12 and 0 and was an overtime loss to Kansas State away from winning their fir- first 14 games last year and their 16th in the nation. You know, like if they played in the SEC and we thought of them at the way like Tennessee doesn't return anybody either and they're 10th. Yeah. 
and they didn't have as good of a season as TCU, but we see Tennessee in the SEC in the helmet, and we think, oh, well, they must be better. Yeah. Well, it's out today. Coaches poll, AP poll will be coming shortly, which probably will look very similar uh, to that. The media poll will be out. I bet Texas is higher in the media poll. I bet you're right about that. I bet yeah. they cracked the top 10 or just, yeah. just right around there. Yeah. I bet they're 10. Uh, they're 10. Agreed. Uh, wanted to mention that JT Sanders uh, this week, and since our last recording, our uh, episode 15, now 16 tonight, uh, on the Mackey Award watch list. Uh, for the best tight end in the country. Jake Majors is on the Remington Award watch list at center. Uh, and then Xavier Worthy has been added to the Bolitnikoff Awards watch list. I will say, as someone who's covered Texas for 25 years uh, on the radio and in media, this is a good sign. When when, you're, when your players start getting, even on the, the watch list, I know for most fans it's kind of like, okay, that's great. But this is a good sign. When your team, your players start getting getting for big awards, like B. John Robinson won the Doak Walker last year. When you have multiple guys at multiple positions, Jalen Ford's going to be up for the Butkus Award. You have to believe Quinn Ewers is going to be on the the Davey O'Brien Award and those kind of watch lists at quarterback. Uh, X Man's going to be on a bunch of them. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Kelvin Banks will be up, you know, and one of those guys we're watching for the Lombardi. That's a good sign that the talent is on the rise. You want to see guys on watch lists? You want to see them on draft boards? Yeah, you know because you can use that to go recruit the next group of guys. Yeah, and so and you got to maximize what's on campus now. Let's uh, let's hear from Sark here. We've heard a lot from Sark, but we're here for some of the players coming up, including JT Sanders on that Mackey Awards watch list. But Sark uh, was talking about depth, and we heard him talk about the freshmen. I thought Sark made a good point today at his availability after the fifth practice. You know, when asked about you know all these young guys, uh, Sark mentioning you know we're on a string of thirty. 100 and plus degree days here in Austin, Texas, uh, and they're playing September 2nd and 26 days from our recording tonight. Uh, it's going to be hot. And uh, here's Sark, even against the Rice Owls, everybody is going to be needed to play in that football game. We're going to play Rice at 2.30 Labor Day weekend. It's going to be hot. You know, I don't know. They'll shoot the field, and I bet when they, when they get the heat index on the turf and DKR, we're going to be 130s, 140s. I mean, it's going to be that hot. Everybody's going to have to play. Everybody's going to be on somewhat of a pitch count. There's everybody's going to have to. We have to roll, and our our two deep, even our three deep, is is going to create opportunities for a lot of guys to play. So to think one guy is just going to play 75 straight, probably not realistic. Um, so that in and of itself, everybody's going to have to play. But if ideal situation, ideal scenario, that guy. All right. So think about that, Mike. I mean, that's an interesting point. 26 days out. Uh, and you play Alabama the following week. I mean, you have to be careful in that game. I mean, you really – and anybody that walks outside in Austin or throughout Texas right now knows if you're out for out there for more than 30 minutes, just being outside can get dangerous pretty quickly. <laughs> These guys are practicing. Sark is trying to be intentional about when they practice and how they practice, some in the heat, some under the lights at night, trying to get away from some of it. But, you know, the last thing you need to do is get someone hurt ahead of that game uh, because of heat or even in that Rice game uh, because you, you weren't careful. So on Sunday, Texas A&M had a media day, and the uh, interviews were like from 10.30 to about noon, and then they had an open practice that started around 5 o'clock, uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock. Good timing. Um, and I told that to my fiance as I was out the door. I was like, well, they're having – and she was like, outside? <laughs> you know? And so, like, that's the life of these football players, right? I mean, they live in, in, a, in a world that's uncomfortable and in a lot of ways unhealthy, and, and some of it is to build your body up to handle – what's coming on September 2nd. You just pray it's a day with some clouds or something changes over the next couple of weeks that, that lets it off a little bit. Tropical because everybody complained about everybody complained about that Alabama game at 11. Give me 11 o'clock all day. You're warming up at 9 a.m. It hasn't got that hot yet until about halftime. You know, then you 
I mean, your warm-up starts around 12.30, and you're not ending the game until 6, 6.30. I mean, that's the highest part of the day is from 4 to 6. So uh, it, it can be really bad, not just for Texas Rice, but for a lot of these early season games if the weather well, doesn't turn out. And I know bit. there's a lot of fans that are rightfully upset. I mean, it's TV-driven, and Fox owns the game, so it's going to be on at 2.30. But that's, that's at some level – Fan malfeasance. I mean, the, the players are one thing. They're kind of trained for it. I think about the fans. Yeah, yeah. Go the, to these games and they're spending. The games get the players get to sweat. Yeah, and have on helmets and have like those fans next to them and all the water and IVs at halftime and all that kind of stuff. Like the fans are just going to be drinking and well, until they, they give some free waters or something yeah. at UT. I don't know, but you, know, you said the let them eat cake thing earlier. But you know, maybe some free Dasani's, maybe some free water. It ain't going to be free. Come on, well. For that game, go on. Uh, then you play Wyoming, the next home game. It's not a great home schedule anyhow. Let's not kill everybody on your way to what they hope is a great season. Speaking of great season, some players commented uh, in the first five practices. J.T. Sanders thought this was interesting. Uh, he should be the favorite target of a guy named Quinn Ewers, the starting quarterback. Listen to J.T. and how candid he is about what he has seen from last year in through uh, December and January with one Quinn yours. He shaved his head, cut his hair, and he says it's a whole new person. Just really, his whole demeanor changed after he cut that mullet. Like he, he, like I don't know what it was about that mullet. Like whatever he did after cutting that mullet, like it just, it's like a whole new person. Like he, he, like he went from like a young a kid to an adult, and it shows like his whole the way he carried himself. He even starting to be more of a leader now on his team. Maybe one of the biggest leaders on his team, really. Um, just. The way he's playing the game now, how he's moving all within football, out of football, is just overall he's just a better man, really. Oh, as soon as we got back to uh, winter workouts after that bowl game, he was he probably was doing it before that, and he was already on it though. Like I seen him after winter workouts, getting before weight room, getting all that working extra with Coach Milwee, and I I already knew that he was going to do that, I, so I wouldn't really worry. But yeah, he he definitely been doing that since winter workouts, and it's starting to show. And I hope he 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 gonna do what he gonna do in that field for sure. There you go, Mike. I mean, you, you know, we always talk about your your history growing up in locker rooms. Your father, your grandfather, was the team doctor at Texas for a long, long time, Doctor Craven. So you've grown up and see this, and it does happen. Where you know, young kids grow up; they just grow up in front of your very eyes. I've seen it with my own children and whatnot. Uh, it just happens. And you know, Quinn yours needed to grow up. He decided to skip his senior year of high school, whether that was a good idea or not. At South Lake Carroll, he went to Ohio State, bounced back to Texas. He, you know, seemed to be making, you know, quick decisions, spontaneous decisions to, you know decommit from Texas, not go to, 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 you know, his senior year, go to Ohio State, come back to Texas. You know, sometimes that does force you to change a little bit and grow up and become more of a leader. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say, like, Quinn Ewers was coddled growing up, but he's from South Lake Carroll. Uh, he was a five-star, can't-miss recruit. He made a million dollars to skip his senior year and go hang out at Ohio State for a few months and take a few snaps. He comes to Texas and gets paid again. And then pretty much given the starting spot and, you know, is is heralded as, as the next guy. Like, he needed to face some adversity and kind of get slapped in the face for the first time in his life. And I think that hit against Alabama and the injury and having to sit and come back and some of the ups and downs he faced in the second half of the season humbled him a little bit, made him a little bit serious. And, you know, it's like that first time. I, I've never been a good athlete, but I was a pretty decent student. And that first time you face a test that you knew you should have studied for long, harder than you did, like, oh, man, I'm not smart enough just to get around this test, I can't like float I through this. right, like I did in high school or I did my first couple of years in college, but like I'm going to have to study for this trig test. I think Quinn had that first moment of his life, like I'm going to have to do something serious here. I'm going to have to because we've talked about this on this show. You know, next to Steve Sarkeesian, 2023 is not bigger for anybody in Burn Orange than it is for Quinn Ewers because he's basically faced between playing well enough to go get drafted or getting into the transfer portal. 
Those feel like the two most likely options. Like Quinn Ewers being the starting quarterback of Texas in 2024 seems like the third least less likely one of those three. Right? You've said that many times on these episodes, and I can't agree more. And it's such a an interesting facet of this year. And to the other, he's part auditioning of, for a job. Sure, uh, yeah. whether it's here or somewhere else, right? Because if he doesn't play well this year, and it looks anything like last year, especially at the end of the year when he did hear the Boo Birds and you know Texas fans were rabbling, you know, it'll be a Spencer Rattler deal where you go from high draft pick to right. somewhere else, and now Spencer Rattler's still trying to make his way at, at South, you know, one-time top overall recruit, number one draft pick, and all those things. You know, it can happen pretty quickly, perception-wise, for a guy like Quinn. Uh, same time, the other part of being humbled is. Steve Sarkeesian and the staff have not stopped recruiting quarterbacks. Sometimes coaches will say, no, 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 we're, here, you're our guy. We're not want to make you mad. I don't know. There's a guy named Malik Murphy sitting there, and there's a guy named Arch Manning. Uh, they've already got recruits coming in behind that. And, you know, you know, it goes back to your point of earlier, which I think is a great one about Texas treats it like a business. Hey, perform. You're yeah. good. If right. you don't, we got somebody ready to take your job. Yeah, and it, I just it just feels like one of those He he knows that in, in the NFL, he has to be the face of a franchise. And his reputation last year was not of somebody who could lead a team in that way. He was kind of aloof off to the side a lot. We talk about the mullet, I believe, a little bit too much, but that became part of the personality Shit. trait as well. Um, he just didn't seem all football all the time, leader, quarterback guy. And, like, that's what the NFL wants. And if he wants to go be a first-round draft pick, not only does he have to play well on the football field, but he has to check those boxes on the sideline and in the locker room. Fair or not, the cutting of the hair and seeming to take it a little bit more seriously and less about NIL and more about the football, I think, is good for his uh, overall perception. I think another example of his growth, I saw this on Twitter. A tweet came out where the the team was finishing up practice. They're doing their longhorn sprints. They do their 10 down and back sprints, and everyone's he- leaning over, getting their catching their breath. And Quinn Ewers steps up and says, "Hey, coach, we played twelve games. Can we can we run two more?" And nobody nobody groaned or moaned. Everybody got back on the line, ran two more, finished practice strong. I like that, and, and they, that's to a man. You heard JT Sanders, new person, better leader, all those things. And I think you're right, Nolan, our pro- digital producer, and uh, Mike. I mean, the NFL's watching. Eye in the sky, don't lie. There were a lot of bad moments last year for Quinn Ewers, not just bad throws and missed throws, but then the body language was just not good. He seemed a bit, a bit aloof and just kind of casual. Uh, not going to work uh, if we're going to make you the face of our franchise. I think that's very well said. And, yeah, the hair might be a little bit too much, but it, it's a better look for him. Looks more more buttoned up. You got the white man fade. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I. Ball fade. That's also, how I, that's how I looked when I not that well, but you know that was the haircut choice back in the day. Also, when you hear the word culture and chemistry and locker room connection, a lot of fans will roll their eyes and, and not sure. I, I pulled this one because I think it, it, it comes from someone who's been here a long time. Christian Jones, the return right tackle, Longhorns. Kyle Flood, the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, of Texas says it's the first time he's ever in all of his. 30, 40-year coaching career, had the entire offensive line back and two more guys who have started games on his offensive line. He never had that. In the NFL, in college, at Alabama, where everybody comes back, plus a couple guys who got reps a lot last year. So he feels really good. And Christian Jones is a big part of that. A lot of folks thought he would be moving on to the NFL, trying his hand at the National Football League. He is back. And here, listen to Christian talking about the locker room culture. And again, he's been here through Tom Herman. He played in the Big 12 championship game back in 2018 with, with, with Sam Ellinger. Uh, which was a pretty good football team. Uh, listen to Christian Jones on what this year's team has that those teams did not. I believe that um, this locker room is very special. And, uh, I mean, I've been here longer than some of the bricks in the building. Like, so I'm not, I'm not joking when I say, like, this, this locker room is, is very special and it's a real brotherhood bond. And, like, 
people are staying late, you know what I mean, getting extra reps in and like voluntarily, no one has to tell them like they want to be great, everyone wants to be great. And um, the, the hunger is there and like, uh, I just, I'm very excited to see. It's not all cotton candy uh, here on the multicast. Same time, that's a guy that's been here a bit. He's seen some bad locker rooms, I'm assuming, and he's also seen a pretty good one right here. And the the you know when you're player led, I mean that's a cliche, Mike, but it's important because when that happens, special things can happen. My nature is to not trust in Steve Sarkeesian, and my nature is not to trust in Quinn Ewers because they haven't done it before, and we've seen it, and they, they came up short, and you know Sark's never won ten games. They're sixteen seven and two in the first half. You know, and only 13 and 12 overall. The only time Texas has come back with Steve Sarkeesian with a halftime deficit is one point against Kansas State and two points against Baylor. Like, they just haven't closed well. They haven't played well in the second half. So, like, it makes me want to feel like they're going to disappoint. But then you hear Christian Jones talk, and you hear Jordan Whittington talk, and you hear some of the guys who aren't new people. They're not starters. Like, they are starters, but they're not new start. Like, they've been around for a long time. They've seen a lot of stuff. And when you hear them talk about how well the culture is and what the locker room is and what they think about this football team, it's hard not to believe them and go, this is starting to sound like the teams back in the day. And you add up the talent with that and the coaching continuity, and there's not a lot to question. We just have to see it. Yeah, and, and Sark talking about the goals. We played it last week. Goals for training camp were to start with – you know, third down execution, fourth down execution, red zone execution, you know, the the critical moments. They're not starting. The install's good. The continuity's there. The players are all back. It's about really drilling down on the finer points and the details that are going to matter to winning and losing. So a lot of, a lot of things to, to, to think that that 12th ranking in the AP, you know, maybe higher than that in the year, excuse me, in the coaches poll, maybe higher than that in the AP that comes out. Uh, there could be some things there, but you got to go back it up on the football field. That's our third quarter. It's brought to you here on the Eyes on Texas multicast by Brain Vault, which hopefully you've uh, gotten your youngster involved in or, or yourself if you play a contact sport. Revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussions. Say that again. Mouthpiece, mouth guard that reduces the risk of concussions. It's more than just a mouth guard. Brain Vault is specially designed, optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens the neck muscles to minimize concussive forces. You know, clenching the jaw in the optimal position for contact allows for maximal force production by the muscles and neck, which prevent, prevents the, you know, and, and protects the brain uh, and the TBIs that come, those traumatic brain injuries. Strong neck muscles help to slow down the head during contact. Uh, and this, this uh, mouth guard, brain vault, technology is designed to put you in that best position protect your your concussive forces with your with your jaw and your face and your alignment uh dr greg eckert who's my dentist uh he and his partner uh drew Pittman, almost 30 years now as an agent in the nfl have designed this technology with medical expertise and the dr. drew Pittman has every one of his nfl players that he represents wearing the brain vault technology day to day and sundays in the nfl no concussions among his players while they've been wearing the brain vault uh, it really is something you should check out. If you've got a youngster playing high school football or lacrosse or any contact sport, please go to BrainVault.com. That's BrainVault.com, all one word. Learn more. Call Dr. Eckert as well. You'll get his number there at BrainVault.com. Talk to him about it. He loves He's passionate about telling you about this technology. He's got youngsters. You know, he's a cyclist and uh, grew up playing contact sports. He really wants to help. So talk to him. BrainVault. Dot com. All right, time for our fourth and final corner. It's been a jam-packed show. Uh, our four big conversations of the week, the final four, we call them. Uh, it's presented by Access Discount Healthcare. 
Uh, it's uh, created by pharmacists to help you and offer you a Netflix-style monthly subscription to significantly cut your prescription drug costs. Sounds too good to be true, but it's not. We'll tell you about it more coming up. But Access Discount Healthcare brings you the fourth quarter. Uh, all right, uh, Mike, I haven't gotten your thoughts yet. The final quarter, what a weekend in the landscape of college athletics. The Big Ten growing to 18 teams with Oregon and Washington. Big 12 going to 16 teams, even when Texas and Oklahoma leave with the additions of the four corner schools. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And amazingly, the century-old Pac-12 is dead. It's about money. Uh, if you weren't paying attention, you may be surprised by the news and the headlines in the New York Times and other places. But this has been coming. Uh, lack of leadership in the Pac-12, an aggressive Big 12 commissioner. The Big Ten was kind of just waiting to, to add some more teams to the West Coast along with USC and UCLA. Just give me your thoughts on what we've seen in the last 72 hours. I mean, I hate it. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. You know, Um there's a reason in this country that you're not supposed to make monopolies, you know, and that's what's happening in college football, right? Like all the power is getting sourced into two or three, four places, like pretty much just two. And that's going to dominate the rest of the thing. And uh, I think revenue sharing is on its way. Like nobody's going to take an equal pay, you know, after a couple of years, it's going to be like the old big 12 where the big teams get to pick on the little teams and dictate the terms. And Rutgers isn't going to have the same say as Ohio state, right. in this whole thing, Vanderbilt's not going to have the same uh, say as Alabama. Uh, my, my biggest worry is like what happens to the fan bases at Oregon state, Washington state, they've been relegated kind of place, right? Well, we talk about yeah, premier 100%. league soccer where you can go up and down levels. But at least that's based on, well, think about in the last calendar year, Houston, central Florida, BYU and Cincinnati right. have been elevated into that big 64 now. Cause if you add up, what's going to be starting in 2024, 18 in the big 12 in the big 10, 16 and 16 in the big 12 and sec 14 in the ACC, that's 64. Yeah. That's 64 teams, and that doesn't include Notre Dame or Stanford or whatever else happens between now and then. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's it's the big 64, and those schools that didn't get in and get a seat at the table, they're relegated. They're not playing in the big leagues anymore. And these are – I mean, Stanford's a proud traditional school. Cal has been a great school. They're out. Houston is in. Yeah, Rutgers is in. Rutgers is in. Uh, and, it, you know, at least with the soccer, like that's based on something on the field. Like Cal could go out and field a really good team and get put back into the Premier League. Uh, they can't. And this this has nothing to do with wins or losses or good teams. Now, this is about markets, numbers, and just Eyeballs, keeping TV. conglomerates together, right? And it's just, TV execs run the sport. And they've always had a hand in the sport. Uh, but at this point, they completely run the sport, and things get gross when it's execs ran. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it over the last two, three summers, ESPN made the big power move, inking the SEC deal, mega deal. This will be our question number two. But to explain it, ESPN is all in with the SEC. They're going to own all of it. CBS no longer has the SEC game of the week. Uh, it's all ESPN. They went and made power move to grab Texas and Oklahoma to solidify a 16-team SEC. That it's the best football conference in America. They also pretty much own the ACC rights, and now they own the Big 12 rights. Fox made their power move to respond to the SEC by adding USC and UCLA to the Big 10, which they already controlled with the Big Noon Sunday broadcast and their push into college football. So it's Fox and ESPN. And at the end of the day, why did the Pac-12 die? The Because Fox and ESPN weren't going to pay anymore. They were done. They were done spending money on the West Coast, and so they were left to an Apple Plus deal, which was streaming, and they could never bring anything home that was going to keep their their members. So, you know, whether it's – and I heard Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri make the comment, did anybody think about the volleyball team or the softball team in any of these schools on the West Coast that are going to have to travel across country to play night games on a Tuesday night, um, you know, series? No, 
They didn't. It's not. They're worried about TV, dollars, eyeballs, because that's the only way to keep up. And you're right. It does make you sick to your stomach at times, but it is the changing face of college football, college athletics. It's a big business. It's a big, 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 big business. It's a, it's a big business for sure. And, you know, I think with more leadership, we could have avoided this, just like with the NIL mess and the transfer portal mess. Sure. Like on, on the surface, getting all the best football teams together and letting them be in a super conference makes sense, right? But we could have prevented the whole conference from breaking up. Like Oregon, Washington, uh, USC, UCLA could have broken away just in football and kept everything else going together and stuff. But it would have taken foresight and some guts and the NCAA uh, giving away a little bit of control, but now they've given away all the control. And uh, so it's just another example of the NCAA playing so slow to it passed by. Back when Texas and Oklahoma left, and the Big 12 schools that were remaining were panicked. They reached out to the Pac-12 and George Klyavkov and said, hey, take us. Let's merge. Let's yeah. come together, and we'll have Central Time Zone, East, and all the way to the West Coast. And, uh, you know, the hubris and arrogance of the Pac-12 at the time said, nah, nah. nah, we don't really want Texas Tech in the Pac-12. We have higher standards than that. Oklahoma State, eh, not really a Pac-12 school. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they were still putting academics in the bar of, uh, of school. I, I do love the the Arizona State president said he's not going to uh, Morgantown. Morgantown. Michael whatever. Crow, it's yeah, just, he's standing. Oh, he's going to die on that hill. It's just so, like, the West Coast turned their nose up at college football. They did. And this is the end result. Well, and, you know, when people talk about the Pac-12, you know, we talked about it on our morning show here on the Horn in Austin this morning with Rod Babers and myself. I mean, it was 2011. They had three in the top seven at the end of the year. I mean, they had Oregon, USC, Stanford, all in the top seven in the country. In the final poll, I mean, they were a power. And right after that, they signed the most lucrative TV deal ever, $3 billion deal. They had heavyweights. And here they are. They're gone. Now they're out. And uh, you're right, the West Coast turned their back on football. You would see Pac-12 championship games on a Friday night where it was mostly empty seats. Nobody was at the game. And that's not good for TV. Uh, And that's kind of the the picture of apathy that that grew on the West Coast. And now there are schools like Oregon and Washington that still want to be relevant in college football, USC. And they're going to go play in a heavyweight conference like the Big Ten. If Uh, If I'm USC, I'm pissed. You thought you were going to have the West Coast to yourself. I mean, they don't consider UCLA to be anything. I think other they than had to know net. that the Big Ten was going to be patient and wait on more West Coast schools, but that's just my opinion. Oregon messes it up for them. Yeah, they, they got to compete with them for Los Angeles and yeah. recruiting. Go look the at the Coast. offensive line, defensive line recruiting at Oregon compared to USC right now. Yeah, like they they thought that they were going to have an advantage, and they do not. Yeah, Nike money's coming. Uh, yeah, Lincoln Riley. Uh, moved for a reason, and now he thought he had the whole West Coast on his own. Now he does not. All he got to do is beat US, UCLA. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Washington is in. Oregon is in. And we'll keep an eye on the Big Ten or the Big 12. There's talk that they're now talking to Cal and Stanford and some other schools, engaging at least ACC's saber-rattling like crazy with Florida State and all that they're doing. Heck, there's a story out today on this Monday that we record that the ACC is meeting to talk about Cal and Stanford. Would they be willing? I mean, that doesn't seem to make sense in the Atlantic Coast Conference to have two schools in greater northern California, but nothing makes sense. Geographics, geography is over. It doesn't even matter. It's the same ocean. You just go through the Panama Canal. Uh, All right, one other uh, Final Four conversation, because that's good stuff right there. Give me your update on Colin Simmons, Duncanville. He has announced he will make his decision. Uh, You followed recruiting and have your whole career. You did the Fab 55 at the Statesman before you were at Dave Campbell's Texas football. This is a big one. This is a big fish. (coughs) Excuse me. Edit. (coughs) One of the top players in the country, best player in the state. 
uh, defensive end, which is a big Texas need. He will decide on Thursday. Texas, LSU, seen as the heavy front runners. Miami's in the mix, too, because he liked his visit to South Beach, and who wouldn't? Uh, <laughs> but give me your thumbnail on, on Colin Simmons. Yeah, I mean, for the month of May, June, and into July, it seemed pretty much like a Texas lock. You know, like he, w- he was pretty much going to be a longhorn. That they thought that was going to be true. I, I think LSU is a, is a firm player in there, and you're starting to see a little bit you know, more of the insider picks. Uh, lean that way so Texas is definitely in a dog hunt and edge rusher feels like the biggest need uh, for this program and you would think that would that would help them kind of get to the finish line here and just because he commits to one uh, on August 10th doesn't mean he signs with one uh, in mid-December neither of those teams are going to back off but I don't think it's as much of a Texas lock as it was a couple weeks ago and our final thought on this give me your thoughts on uh, should there be an early signing period in August ahead of high school football season like some have suggested I know you know that the SEC commissioner has pushed for, you know, we, if we're going to a 12-team playoff, guys, we can't have a signing period right through the 12-team playoff and right through all these big games, biggest games of the year, and right through the Christmas season and recruiting and everything that's going on, coaches hiring and firing. Should there be, having covered recruiting as long as you have, a signing period change from maybe December to late August before their high school season starts? With the transfer portal existing, I I don't have as big of an issue with an earlier signing period in August, right? Because if you get into a bad situation, uh, you can transfer after your freshman year, especially if they allow you to get out in December if that coach gets fired or has some kind of, you know, walls in in place to to help guys get released from those situations. Because that's so far in front of the coaching cycle that you have no idea if the head coach you're signing with in August or even the position coach you're signing with in August is going to be there. So if you're allowed to get out of it uh, because of that, then I'm okay with it. In my heart, I feel like it's best just to do it in February, the old school way. But so many guys enroll early now. Uh, that, that puts That's the, the Sark school, argument. Right. That puts the school in a bind because you're not sure who's showing up until they're showing up. And, and that, that makes it hard as well. So I get it from both sides. And, and with the portal, I think it's a little bit easier to go, okay, you can have your August period. And that's our fourth and final big final four question in our fourth quarter. I would also say, you know, if a player commits and he gets hurt his senior year, you got to keep it. You got to honor the commitment. Yeah. Got to honor that commitment sure. if you're a coach. I think that's fair too. All right. Final four uh, brought to you by, in our fourth quarter, always brought to you by. Uh, this is pretty incredible, folks. If you have heavy prescription costs on a month by month basis, this is where you need to go. It's Access Dis- Discount Healthcare created by pharmacists because. It's like Mike was talking about conglomerates running college football. Uh, Big Pharma runs you know, your prescription drug costs, and they've created this. It's a prescription drug platform that is essentially like Netflix for your prescriptions. If you pay your monthly fee for Netflix, you get to watch every movie you want to watch, all your favorite shows, all the documentaries. Same thing here. You pay a, a small monthly fee to access the platform, and then all your prescriptions are free beyond that. There's no long-term contract. Either it's a month-to-month Cancel at any time opportunity and subscriptions, $21.99 for one person. So one of my kids here wanted to do to enroll. They could uh, for, for uh, prescription drugs that they need. Uh, my son Nolan lives by himself, $21.99. My son Griffin is married. If he's got uh, you know, just he and his wife, $26.99 is the monthly two-person family fee. And then for a family of three or more, provided you all live at the same address, $31.99. That's the monthly fee. And then the prescriptions, everything you need, are covered for the entire month, every month. Uh, over And how about this? Prescriptions are mailed directly to you. Over 64,000 pharmacies 
like Walgreens, CVS, and others. And you can go see the drugs that are included. They have 95% of the prescription drugs you're looking for on this platform, uh, meaning they're going to be there. Uh, so you, you, But you find out before you sign up, there are already 1.5 million Americans using the platform. They've already collectively saved over $100 million. And the retention rate, this is the biggest number and staggering number to me. When you have a month-to-month service that you could cancel at any time with no penalty, 98% of people who sign up stay on board. Uh, that's the retention rate right now over three years with 1.5 million Americans. Once you're signed up, consumers are in. It's not insurance. It's not a discount card. And here's how you find it. Yourfreerxdrugs.com. Yourfreerxdrugs.com is where you go. Sign up and learn more. I promise you every question you have in your head right now will be answered at that website. They have videos. They have fact pages that answer every question you might have. Yourfreerxdrugs.com. That's your free rxdrugs.com they bring you our fourth quarter michael that's a wrap on another edition of the eyes on texas multicast uh, thanks for your work and uh, looking forward to episode 17 next week uh, you know what else can happen in college football between now and next monday when we record our our next episode yeah, I, I don't know if anything bigger can happen, you know. No. I don't just give up the sport completely. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Like they be all become full-time employees and unionized. That's that's kind of the next big thing I'm well, I'm waiting on. Well, and if you're a Texas fan, you are uh just you know, you're f- crossing your fingers at no injuries, right? They'll start I feel their- like for Texas, no news is good news. Yeah, like, the quieter right. this fall camp is, the better for Texas. I agree with you 100. percent I mean, obviously the AP Top 25 will be released coming up, but yeah, last year on one scrimmage they had you know, two significant injuries. Their starting guard and Isaiah Nair both went down to season-ending injuries, and that really hurt them in both spots. They seem deeper this year, but uh, what you don't want to see and hear about our injuries for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, but appreciate everybody. Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, uh, our executive producer and editor, our man Griffin Hogan over there. If you'll put this thing together and drop it, uh, it'll be out by a Tuesday. Also want you to remember to follow us on Twitter at EyesOnTexasFB, on Instagram at EyesOnTexasPod, and our Facebook page, Nolan, will be coming this week live and uh, getting right at you because we know a lot of you folks are still engaging heavily on Facebook. It is the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football, available, available weekly at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel, also on the Horn FM and Austin YouTube channel, also available for download through iTunes and Spotify. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network and powered by Grande Equipment.